welcome to the Middle Cross Podcast, where we are about applying all the gospel to all of life. I'm here with a couple of friends today, more than just Mark. Yeah. So Robert Mark, Kale. Yep. Robert Kale. We got the man, the myth, the legend with us today. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I'm here. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's good. Um, it's good to have you here, man. Appreciate I know you're a good you friend of Mark. Um, you guys are in seminary together. Yep. Sure are. Yeah. Studying the Bible day after day. Trying. Trying yeah. to. Seeking yeah. the Lord. Amen. That's kind of where I'm, I'm at, too, although I'm at the end of my seminary career to a certain degree. Almost there, brother. Almost yep, there. almost there. But anyway, it's uh, good to have another guest here on the Middle Cross Podcast. A lot of the time, it's just Mark and I. I'm sure everybody gets tired of listening to us jabber on, but it's fun. I know I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know you get tired of listening to me, too, Mark. Um, no comment. No comment. Okay. Appreciate that. So, with our guest here today... Mr. Robert Kale, um, we're having you on here today, I guess, obviously, because you're Mark's friend, and also because I think we're all kind of in the same camp when it comes to a lot of doctrines, which is fantastic. It's good to have brothers that believe the same things about the Bible, not just because we want to, but because we actually believe that's what the Bible says. Yeah, amen. Uh, we look forward to talking about that a good bit, but before we ever get to all that, I want to hear, I'm sure Mark's already heard it, but I want to hear your story, man. Um, yeah. You're, how how old are you now? I'm 44. Four. Or no, wait, whoops, I just turned 45. <laughs> gotcha. I have oh, happy birthday, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah in, last month. Sweet. So 45 years old, so I'm sure you've seen the Lord do a thing or two in your life. Um, yeah. More than yeah. a thing and or two. Yeah, and it's, it's been crazy because it's only been, um, let's see, this is 2023, right? Mm-hmm. So September 9th, it'll be eight years that I've been a Christian. Wow. Only. That's awesome. And so even just in eight years, I've seen the Lord move in ways that I could have never fathomed. Yeah. So, okay. Let's go back to that September. Yeah. Well, okay. Back to that September and then back before that September. So where were you then? What was going on? Yeah. Were you running from the Lord? <gasps> tell us your Saul and then tell us your Paul, man. Yeah. Song Paul. <laughs> uh, no. So September of 2015, I think that was the, you know, people talk about rock bottom, right? They talk about, oh, I was all the way to, I was all the way down. Yeah. Um, and, and again, my story is my story. And so I would never say that I was in a worse way than anybody ever could have been. Cause there's a thousand million stories out there that are way worse than mine. But for me and in my life, if there was a place that was below rock bottom, that's where I was at when mm-hmm. I went to this program in September. And so, um, just to back up from there. And so this program where I went, um, is called Mighty Oaks. And, uh, that's the or name of the organization and the, and the program is called the men's legacy program. And it's a biblically based program that helps men and women, first responders, veterans, spouses of, of first responders and veterans to see hope through the traumas of life, right? Not Mm -hmm. just job related from things that we see in combat or things that police officers and firefighters see on the streets, but just the traumas of life, right? Because trauma isn't specific to just those jobs, right? Mothers experience trauma, fathers, pastors, so on and so forth. And so um, when I went there, just my life was a wreck and, I guess I could say I was running from the Lord, but it was without really knowing I was running for the Lord because the Lord wasn't a thought in my head. Mm. So kind of just to, I'll go all the way back to kind of where it all started. When I was a kid, 
my parents got divorced. I was about 10. <clears throat> and then we ended up in foster care, me and my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. And the foster care system, we only had one set of foster parents. It wasn't good. Uh, there's very, very heavily, uh, there's a lot of he- uh, f- physical abuse. Yeah. So um, I can remember being beaten until the point of passing out and waking up and still receiving a beating and um, you know, getting teeth brushed with the gritty soap, the, the lava soap with the grit in it so it would bust the gums open and then putting hot sauce on the toothbrush and brushing teeth with that for just man. you know saying things that were, wasn't approved of. And these, this man and this woman that had us, they were Christians. And so the first time I ever heard the gospel, um, I heard the gospel with an orange, it was a cartoon track for kids. And it was orange and black. I remember that. And my foster mom shared the gospel with me and said, if you say this prayer, you'll be saved and we'll stop beating you And because Satan won't be a part of your life anymore. And so in my mind, I was thinking, well, heck yeah, sign me up. Yeah. I'll do it. <clears throat> and wow. so after that, of course, the beatings don't stop, right? Because now there's the sanctification process, right? Yeah. According <laughs> to them. And so the, it was just pretty bad. And then... When I was 16, I ended up going uh, back to my biological mom, and then that's where I joined the military from. But along the way, I picked up some bad habits, and those bad habits were self-dependence, self-reliance, and then alcohol. Yeah, I started drinking when I was 14 and uh, smoking when I was 14. And so, you know, those things kind of followed me all throughout my life up until salvation. And, um, you know, just living with guilt and shame for what I'd gone through and, and what I wasn't able to do for my brother and sister. And then also telling people at this church, hey, we're getting hurt. Yeah. And nobody does anything about it because these two people were trusted in the church. And so wow. that's something I'm pretty passionate about now is <clears throat> helping abuse victims um, and counseling them. I'm a certified biblical counselor with ACBC. Awesome, and, dude. And Love so. That. It's just something that I'm the Lord's put on my heart, and I'll yeah. I'll connect that here in a minute. Okay. So, I joined the Marine Corps because I told myself if I was a Marine, those guys are tough. Nobody would ever beat on me again, and I could I could make something of myself. Mm. <clears throat> so I went to boot camp, did all that, and then when I got to you know my regular duty station, I quickly learned like if you were fast and you look good in your uniform and you could exercise you could be a good Marine and you just listen to what they told you to. And I was pretty good at doing that kind of stuff. I was not by no means the top notch guy. Then I also learned that, you know, being an alcoholic was, was okay in the Marine mm-hmm. Corps. And so, and I'm, now when I say that, I don't want people to think like you go in there and then they, they say, Hey, you can, you need to be an <laughs> alcoholic. If you yeah. want to be, if you choose to be of your own free will, then yes, you can do that. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's conducive. Yeah. And so I did that. <clears throat> drank a lot. I, uh, I partied a lot. I got married at a young age. I had three kids by the time I was 23. Mm. I wasn't a good husband. I wasn't a good father. Um, and that was because I chose myself and my career and my, my idols over everything and everybody. And that's kind of the, the short and skinny of it. And then at a certain point, the war kicked off Yeah. after September 11th. And then we, you know, everybody started gearing up and deploying for, for going to war. And, that changes you, you know, yeah. whether, whether you do a bunch of bad stuff or see a bunch of bad stuff or both, or even just being in that environment and then coming home 
you know, in, in, in one day you can be in a combat situation and then 24 hours later you can be on the tarmac at home picking up your kid and hugging him. And so it's, it's a hard transition. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. mentally, I don't think I dealt with that the right way. <clears throat> and I didn't have, um, I, not, it's not that I didn't have, I didn't utilize the tools that were afforded to people mm-hmm. to, to get the help. Cause I, I just wanted to keep going. Yeah. And I, I, some things happened. Um, one of the, one of the most traumatic things that happened, um, in my life was outside of, you know, child abuse throughout growing up and, and, you know, drinking to suppress that and things like that is I had a friend of mine commit suicide, uh, in front of me and his wife. And so that was really tough to see. And, Mm. um, and I, I tell people that I think that's in my mind, I can say that's the moment where I think everything went dark for me Mm. and I lost hope in humanity. I lost hope in myself. I lost, and which was a wrong way to look at it. But in my mind, that's what I'm telling myself. You know, there's no hope. Yeah. Life is what it is, and it's just going to be horrible. Mm. And so um, at this point, too, I'm divorced. My first wife left me, which, you know, she should have. I was a, just a mm. really horrible husband and, um, and, and, and not a good father. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that I didn't have my moments of goodness, but it yeah. means that by no means was I toting that line the way I should have. Mm. And so um, uh, and then I, I met my second wife. We got married. And we had a kid. And I'm as soon as she was born, I'm deploying again and going and, mm-hmm. and each deployment just adds to the frustration of, with humanity and having no hope because you just yeah. see the worst of the worst while you're overseas and you see brothers getting hurt. You see brothers dying. You see, you see children and women and men who are innocent getting hurt and dying. And you just, it, it just does something to you and you don't, it's almost like, you know, People talk about, oh, you know, veterans, you know, you guys go to war and it's so crazy. Well, it's the same thing for police officers, right? They go and they, they don't, typically when somebody needs the police, it's for bad, right? right? And so yeah. that's what it felt like. It just, like, you're, you don't get to see anything good in humanity. You, you see nothing but the worst for seven months at a time. Then you go home, you take a break for a couple of weeks while you're on leave, and then you train again to go back and do it all over again. Yeah. And so there was no break, which I chose it that way. That was my escape was to just continue to deploy, continue to go through these difficult situations because I wanted to get revenge. I wanted to, um, you know, go back over there and try to accomplish a mission to make Mm -hmm. up for friends that had passed and things like that. And uh, in 2011, my friend Jason Rogers was killed in Afghanistan on a mission uh, that I wasn't on. Uh, and I, and I've, I'd had always for a long time carried a heavy guilt for that uh, mm. just because I wasn't there. And he's a great friend of mine, a, a, a mentor to me even. Yeah. Um, and so that was hard. <clears throat> and so then as time goes on, things just get heavier and heavier. And my answer to that was to drink it away. And uh, I did have a period of time where I was sober uh, for a while. I had dabbled in some faith things because I, I, you know, again, I did know who Jesus was. I did yeah. know. Yeah. God, the Bible, those kind of things. Um, But it wasn't something I sought after for the right reasons. I sought after it for hurry up and take my problems away. So I dabbled in some other faiths uh, that are outside of Christianity and didn't get, of course, you know, didn't get any relief or any any answers to any of life's questions or figuring anything out, wasn't saved. And so, again, my answer is deploy, isolate, drink, be angry, be mean, push people away. My kids at this point, are, you know, 
pretty angry at me, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. You know, even I could even go as far as say they probably hated me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I got a, a Father's Day card once from my oldest daughter, and it said, Happy Father's Day, Dad. You would be a better dad if you weren't a Marine and if you weren't always angry and yelling, I hate you, Taylor. So that's and you, and you would figure you get something like that from your kid that yeah. they would that would wake you up, but it didn't. All it did was make me push things away, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. choke it down, and then continue to do Robert the way Robert wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, on my last deployment, um, I was in my third IED strike, and it caused me to have a, a brain injury. And um, I even knew at that point, kind of, I think in my own mind, like this is probably close to the end for me as far as. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen when I get back. And so, um, at, and during that deployment, you know, I, my second marriage fell apart. And so that was pretty rough. And then we lost a Marine in the company and other Marines in the company got hurt pretty bad. And so there's just a lot going on. And I felt like, mm-hmm. man, my life is falling apart. Even this family that I built in the Marine Corps, this idol that I've served for so long, yeah, it's falling apart. Like, I don't even have that now. You know, because I don't know what's going to happen. So I got mm-hmm. pretty depressed, and I would sit in my my room in Afghanistan, and I would press my pistol against my forehead and under my chin and in mm-hmm. my mouth, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I just didn't want people to think I went out like that. That's a selfish reason within a selfish mm-hmm. act, right? Like, yeah, I just don't want to go down like that. I want to. Yeah. I want. I want to be the hero, or I want to. I want to die this honorable death, or whatever. Yeah. And so. Again, you know, I can now say that's the Lord's mercy in my life, me not mm-hmm. doing that, right? Because that's a horrible legacy to live for you, leave for your children. And so <clears throat> I got home from that deployment drinking a lot, a lot. Um, and I had, I praise God for this. You know, I had a chain of command that cared about me, and they sent me to Wounded Warrior Battalion, which is in the Marine Corps, where you, if you're injured, and you have mental, physical, or both problems, they send you over there and you can go through some treatments and therapies and get fixed up, and then they can either put you back into service or they can retire you. And so when I went over there, I I was close to retirement, and I ended up retiring from there. But while I was there, one of the things that they pressed was, you know, spiritually, get well spiritually. And for them, it doesn't matter. You can yoga, meditation, Catholic things, Christian things, Mormon things you know, um, new age stuff, you know, hot rocks, hot yoga, whatever the case, they don't, as long as you do something spiritual. And so I had heard about this program, uh, called mighty Oaks and, uh, the legacy program. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll go, even though it's faith based, I'm not too big into faith. And at this point too, I tell people, I don't think I ever remember a time where I was angry at God, but there was just a kind of a time where I thought, yeah, whatever. If he's there, he's there. Yeah. I don't really care. I just don't really want to do that. Yeah. Um, and then the one thing that I did have a wrong view of God on, but you know, uh, the biggest part is I used to think there that there was no God in Afghanistan. There was no God in Iraq. There was no uh, God yeah, yeah. in the midst of suffering, right? Yeah. God was outside of that. And so I... Uh, I went to that program and I went there drunk too. Cause I thought, man, maybe they'll just kick me out. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Too bad. Christians are really nice people <laughs> yeah. and they want to care for you and love on you. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, yeah. I was just ready to get kicked out, go back to the unit Praise and the do my thing because I, I just didn't care. You know what I mean? I, I was hopeless at this point. Like I'm pistol under my bed, notes written plan. I'm ready to execute suicide yeah. at this point in my yeah. life. And so I went there. They kept me, 
Um, you know, I tell this funny story just because when I went there, like I woke up late in a parking lot somewhere drunk from being at a wedding. Mm. And I'm like, man, I have to go to this. And if I don't go, I'm oh, going to get in trouble for not showing up at the military. They already told me, like, if you don't go, yeah. you know, we're, we're coming down on you because we're just tired of you being a turd. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just a jerk to everything and everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I run back to my room. I throw a bunch of stuff in there. And, you know, I, I have a gas mask, like six pairs of socks, four pairs of shoes, one pair of pants, and a pair of underwear. That's what I showed up to a week-long <laughs> trip with. You know what I mean? <laughs> And so I'm the only guy in history of the program that was ever able to change his shoes every day of the week, but not his underwear. (laughs) And so, um, you know, we get there and and they, they begin to love on you immediately. Mm -hmm. And it's the good thing is about that program. It was other veterans loving on other veterans. Mm. And that's something that we're not used to seeing for sure. And, and I'm, and and I could, I could go as far as to say men aren't used to seeing that from other men too. Right. But in my context, it was with veterans and so uh, they began to share their stories and their testimonies, just like I'm doing right now. And they're talking about the ugly things that they've seen, done, and um, the sins they committed. Mm. And then they started talking about how the Lord saved them from it. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly thinking a few things. Number one was, wait, you, you were abused as a child too? Wow. No way. Yeah. Like, I thought I was the only one in that suffering. As stupid as that sounds coming out of my mouth, I thought I was the only one holding on to a secret like yeah. that. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. I, I would blow your mind statistically with nine out of ten veterans had some kind of form of abuse as a child. You know what I'm wow. saying? Yeah, yeah. Whether it was physical or sexual. Um, wait, you saw bad things in combat too? And as stupid as that sounds, you get to the point where you believe the lie, I'm the only one. Yeah. And it's not that you're the only one that saw it. You're the only one affected by it. Yeah. 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 You're the only one that is crying or having nightmares or not sleeping. Everybody else is, they're, they're studs. Yeah. They got their life put together. But that's not true. Uh-huh. And so I started to hear that. And I remember Wednesday night at that program, a man got up and he started to share a class called Legacy. And basically just challenging us to think about the legacy that we were leaving behind. And that's Mm -hmm. where I learned the statistic that if you have three children and the mom or the dad commits suicide, it's statistically proven that there's a, it's, it's like astronomical high percentage rate that one of your, one of your three kids is going to commit suicide. Wow. And so I started to think about that. And then I started to think about how selfish I had been. And then I started, and, and again, I'm not saying that if you, I don't want people to think that I, I have this this preconceived notion that all suicides are selfish and that the pain and the sorrow of that are connected with suicidal feelings or even completing suicide are are unwarranted or um you know not real because yeah. it is yeah. it, it doesn't start out selfish right but mm-hmm. it's an escape mechanism yeah. basically what it comes down to and so if you are feeling that way and you're listening just reach out for help there's churches there's Absolutely. counselors there's police there's so many hotlines to call don't suffer by yourself because i promise you that you know somebody can help you absolutely if anything at the end of this i hope you see that the lord can help you and so he he was challenging us about this legacy that we're leaving when we were gone from this earth what was our family going to have left to see what were our children or our wives or you know our our aunts and uncles whoever if they opened a box what would they want to keep or would they want to keep anything or would they just throw it all away because you know, we, yeah. we kind of wasted our life, you know, that John Piper book, Don't Waste Your Life, you know, is it just yeah. she- seashells or is it going to mm-hmm. be things that are meaningful? 
Amen. And so he shared the gospel and he talked about how Christ paid for all of that on the cross. He took it on himself that he he could he could minister to the suffering, that he could yeah. um or that he could help. And I remember thinking to myself, this dude has been through crap. And then now he's mm-hmm. happy and joyful and he's able to sit here and, t- and I told myself I would do anything for 10 seconds mm-hmm. of the peace that this dude had. And I would hold it for as long as I could. Yeah. Wow. And, and never, ever let it go. Like I just, I, I need something cause I am so broken and hopeless. And, mm-hmm. and I finally just, and I, you know, people, <clears throat> well, I don't know. And sure. I have a theological leaning and you can call it what you want to. I just say I surrendered. Yeah. Amen. I quit. That's it. I just, that's you it. know, I just remember, you know, in my mind thinking, that's it, Lord, and just throwing my hands up in this vision of, you know, just kind of just, I- I'm done. Yeah. If you can't, if I can't and you can't, then I'm done, done, done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if I can't and people are saying you can, then show me because I just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I remember just thinking to myself, I honestly had the thought, even if I wanted to say no right now, I couldn't. Yeah. It was yeah. so, the spirit had broken me and replaced my heart of stone mm. with a heart of flesh. And Amen. the only move left for me to make was to run to the cross. Yeah. Amen. And so I surrendered and I, I, I committed to, at least in my mind, what it looked like was just being a Christian mm. and making every effort to do that. And so I went home. I was sober. I ended up being sober for about nine, uh, like three months. And then I believed the lie of, oh, yeah, you, you can, you, you're sober. You deserve to reward yourself with a beer at dinner. Well, that was a stupid mistake. <laughs> had I done what I'd been taught to do through this whole process of being a young Christian and having yeah. accountability in my life, I wouldn't have made that mistake. But I relied on myself again. And so I, I did have a slip up. Um, but, you know, the Lord's got me on the right track. I've been sober for a really long time now. I don't count days anymore because mm. I don't want to believe a lie again in my head where it's like, oh, man, you've got 700 days sober. So, you know, go treat yeah. yourself because Robert can't treat himself because yeah. there's no such thing as a treat for Robert. It's an overindulgence. And Amen. I just don't want to play that game. Absolutely. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I think so that's that's kind of the gospel story. Or that's kind of how I got to the gospel and the point of salvation. and then. Kind of three things happened where I know that the Lord was real and he revealed himself to me in the most powerful way. The first one was sufficiency, inerrancy, and authority of scripture. Amen. And that's just reading the word, even if it's one verse at a time as a young Christian, and just thinking, whoa, (laughs) this is so real, so cool, so powerful, or whoa, I am a sinner. I need help in this area of my life and calling a mentor sometimes three or four times a day, guys, that's, that's the kind of guy I am. Yeah. I'll ask questions until I get the answer yeah. and he, and, and him walking through that with me. And I praise God for that. And that's the second piece of how God showed himself to me was I had men in my life who cared about me, mentored me, discipled me, walked with me. When I fell down, they picked me up and mm-hmm. dusted me off. I've been shown grace and forgiveness by these men. <clears throat> and they've walked me through a process of, maturation maturation yeah. that it's it's one another ministry 
all yeah. day. 59 one another's in the New Testament. Man, we that's what we were doing in Amen. that organization, Amen. right? Amen. And so, um, and then the third one, which was the coolest, was after I got saved, I went home and I tell my kids, I said, look, I'm, I'm committing to Jesus. I'm done drinking. You don't, I know you don't have to believe me. Things are going to be different. And I, that's the last time I'm going to tell you. Now I'm just going to show you. Mm. And again, please, nobody hear that as Robert is this super cool dude that can do everything by himself. That's just me trying to communicate to my kids. Yeah. I just, I want to show you. Yeah. And so what I ended up showing them was the ups and downs of life. There is failure in life. I'm a human, Mm -hmm. but there's failure is not fatal. Right. And so there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's getting back up. And there's the proverb that says a man who falls down seven times gets back up. Right. And so over a course of about two years, as I grew as a young Christian, I remember I went to where my kids were at and I had a date with each one of them from my oldest son down to my youngest daughter and each one of them individually. And I sat him down and I asked for forgiveness for, um, you know, failing them as a father. Yeah. And, mm. um, you know, really not loving them the way that they deserve to be loved and for being a drunk, for being angry, for, you know, all of it specifically you know, item by item almost. And it was crazy that each one of my kids had the same answer. And I did, I don't know how I pulled this off. I think, I I know it was God, but you know, this was something I did very intentionally where each one of my kids was not telling the other kids what was going on, like one Mm -hmm. at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Four days in a row. And each one of them said the same thing. Of course we forgive you, dad, you're our dad. We love you. Wow. And so that only happens if Christ is in the midst of that, yeah, because yeah. that's the kind of forgiveness Christ offers people. Absolutely. And so for God to be able to, and, and for, and through the power of the cross, being able to restore the most broken of relationships in my life with the people that I needed to make right with, mm. that's enough for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and my salvation, those two things are the things that stand out the most to me yeah. as far as what God has done. And then just, scripture and how it heals and how it speaks into every part of our life. And that's why biblical counseling is so huge for me because that's how I got healed. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't just getting saved and then some magic prayer healed me of all the wounds that I had sustained and, you know, all the, the, the brokenness that sin had brought upon me in my life, whether it was by my own doing or the doing of others, it was this is what Christ says in the midst of that suffering. And so here's the kicker. And for everybody listening, I hope you hear this. Being a Christian is not a guarantee of an easy life. Matter of fact, we're called to suffer for yeah. Christ. We're, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, suffering for being a Christian. We're just called to suffer. We're going to suffer. Yeah. There, yeah. It's, you know, we were at a thing this, you know, this last week. Uh, me and Mark were at school and the guy was talking about the book of Job and suffering doesn't have an answer either. No, right. No, the answer is God himself. That's right. It's, it's you suffer and you run to God or you suffer and you run to the world. Amen. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so this side of this side of of the grave, man, we're going to suffer, but man, just run to the Lord, seek the Lord, get in his word, let it wash over you, let it heal you. And that's what I hope people get out of my testimony is just, Man, there's power in the gospel, Amen. right? There's power in Christ. The, the the cross is real, and what it, what 
that what Christ did on the cross has a, an effect that you can't explain, and God's word is infallible, in, inerrant, sufficient, and authoritative. And Amen. if you live by it to the best of your human ability and you just let it pour over you, it will heal you. Hey, man, I love Amen. that, man. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think... <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's like... That's the very condensed version. <laughs> the was, very condensed version. The... There's so much <clears throat> we could... That would be fantastic to chase, which we are going to chase. Yeah. Uh, on our podcast, this has been the radio segment. Then we're fixing to come to a conclusion for our part one. But if you want to hear more of Robert's story, you want to hear more of us discuss some doctrine and theology and the Bible and such, be sure not just to stay here on the radio, but hop on over to the Middle Cross podcast. Um, you can find us on Spotify. If you want to find out more information about us or want to reach out to us, you can reach us at the all lowercase, the middle cross one at gmail.com. The middle cross one at gmail.com. But we thank you, Robert, for being able to hear. I look forward to picking this up back here in a moment. And uh, thank Amen. you guys for listening. Thank you. We'll catch y'all next time.